This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike him, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. You can Google it, or if you're watching us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Just check out the helmets and the game balls and stuff. I did not buy them all fanatics. They actually gave them to me. Actually, I take that back. I had to pay $300 for the Cowboys helmet, even though I started seven games for them. It's a whole other story for another day. The point is, I got a lot of podcasts, and this is the one that everyone needs to be listening to or watching right now because we are about two months away from one of my favorite events of the year, the 2022 NFL Draft. Hit me up on social media, always at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. For those of you that want to watch, it's youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. So fired up for today's show for two reasons. One is we're going to actually dive into the process. Where do you start? How do you know which guys to actually check out and evaluate? And then how do you go about your evaluation process. That's one thing I love about it. But I'm not just doing it with Emery Hunt, my co-host at F-Ball Game Plan, who's a total rock star. We're bringing on a guy I'm a huge fan of on social media, what he does with the draft profiles. He is Chad Reuter from NFL Media. He's a researcher. He's an analyst. You need to check him out. On Twitter, at Chad underscore Reuter, R-E-U-T-E-R. And it looks like he lives in Wisconsin, which is amazing. Because if you said to me, Ross, you have 100 guesses what state Chad lives in, I would look at Chad and be like, probably Wisconsin. Boom, (laughs) nailed it. He lives in Wisconsin. I love it. Chad, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate you having me on. So here's what's cool. Uh, Emery, one of the reasons why I love Emery is because Emery is not just about the top 50 prospects that you can hear about everywhere else over and over and over again. Emery dives deep, man. And maybe it's just because I played FCS, whatever. But he knows D2-D3. Chad, you you might be the white Emery Hunt. You might be the white Emory. You might be the guy that actually, because you, I mean, I'll be doing like an FCS championship game and Chad will be like, ooh, good matchup between this guy and this guy. And like, you're into it too, Chad. Do you, I don't know how you guys divvied up over NFL.com, but why are you so invested in the off the radar guys or the smaller school guys as well? Well, it comes from where I started. Um, I started a website. Uh, 20 plus years ago and I went into all the prospects and I focused a lot on small school prospects at that time. Uh, My first year of analyzing the draft 
was also known as the Ross Tucker draft of 2001. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I mean, starting in the beginning, I got to know a lot of those guys. And then, um, you know, my one of my key roles with NFL media is putting together um, all the information that is used during the Senior Bowl, the Shrine game. And now we're doing <clears throat> NFL PA game, um, the HBCU legacy and so you're getting players from all over the country at all different levels. So you need to be aware of, you know, a lot of the guys at that level, um, not just because they're in these games, because they're good players and uh, they deserve a shot. And that's one of the great things about the draft is some of these guys that, um, you know, didn't get very many scholarship offers, et cetera, they're getting their shot. And uh, so I've really done that since the beginning and in, as time goes on, you know, you focus more on the FBS guys because they're the guys that are most likely, but you have to keep an eye on, on some of these other guys. And it's a fun part of the process. So I'm so glad you said that. Um, I want to start there, I guess. I should have done a better introduction in the sense that, can you tell us exactly what, like, I, I just know that you know all about the prospects and that you do draft stuff for NFL.com. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't even really know, Chad, exactly what your role is at NFL Media. Well, the thing is, um, I'm not an on-TV guy, so I'm a little bit under, you know, behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I do a lot of the research on these players. When you look at – when you watch the NFL draft, a lot of people either have well, – now they have a, uh, you know, an iPad or something in front of them that they're looking through as the draft goes on, especially on day three to find out – you know, who these guys are and what they're doing. Um, a lot of the data that they're looking at is stuff that I've put together over the course of the year. So I'm a researcher in that sense. And then when they want somebody foolish enough who's interested in doing three-round mock drafts, seven-round mock drafts, they say, hey, Chad, why don't you do that? Because, uh, you know, none of the rest of us really want to do that. So it's up to you. Um, and I have a lot of fun doing those, too, because they're basically just big puzzles. And, uh, you know, people are into Wordle, Dwordle, Quirtle, all that stuff. Uh, the, the draft, the mock draft, seven row mock drafts, like a 256 wordle. Right. And, uh, and so I get to do a lot of that stuff as well. This last year, I was um, asked to write about the top 25 senior bowl prospects every couple of weeks and name some other guys that are kind of at the top of the draft. So I get to do a little bit of everything with NFL media, which is fantastic. So when they do like the stump the truck thing on the third day, yes. you're like the truck. Like you're you're the guy that tries to have some information on any guy that could potentially get drafted, right? Yeah, I'm when they do that process when they do that um, I'll say when they when they do that bit during the draft, I'm like really paying attention because I'm like, "Okay, guys, I told you about that guy. Okay, I told you about that guy." On occasion, I'll tell, you know, I'll put it on the list, it doesn't make it, whatever. But um, you know, they do a great job of uh, whatever I do, the guys that are in the truck do like 10 times more work in terms of getting video on the guys and, and making sure that that, that stuff is ready to go uh, at a moment's notice. So, uh, yeah, that's the really fun part of the draft for me. So all of these, Emery, are all reasons why you like Chad, right? Like before you even came on, Chad, Emery was like, oh, Chad's one of the best because he's like, you're speaking Emery's language, right, Emery? Yeah, and it's, you know, one of my pet peeves when you talk about the draft or when you talk with someone is like, oh, man, this guy, 
uh, from Ohio State can really play. Like, yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, he probably was a five-star, you know, going to a major school. Of course he can play. You know, <laughs> so that's easy. That's the that's the layup. Um, but I feel like a lot of people around the draft community are running around here just hitting layups. While when you really want to be Steph Curry, you want to really want to expand your range and start hitting from half court, start hitting from the other side of the court as well. And that's where Chad comes in. That's where I come in as well as, you know, you, you – realize the draft is bigger than 50 players. You realize the draft is bigger than seven rounds and you realize football is bigger than the NFL. So when you are jumping into this, this side of the business, the draft side of the business is all about scouting talent and you'll scout talent anywhere. So if you can scout talent at, you know, a, a game between fairly Dickinson and, and lie coming, you can scout a game between Ohio state and Penn state. So Give me the small school guy because that really trains your eye for scouting because anyone can pick the Ohio State wide receiver that runs fast and catches deep balls you know, in their sleep. So give me the guy that really shows that you can do the work, and that's why I really respect and like what Chad does. Hey, breaking news, by the way. Evan Neal, the offensive lineman for Alabama, he's a big kid with good feet. He's a good <laughs> yeah. prospect. Yeah, right? <laughs> Right. Well, you know, it's interesting you guys mentioned that because um, sometimes those guys that you that go to Ohio State, um, you know, that can almost push them higher than they should. I mean, you have to be careful about um, what I found, not only that, where you kind of overestimate a guy's ability based on where he plays, um, but also you have to pay attention to the guys that maybe don't get as much credit at those larger schools. Right. Like. Terry McLaurin would be a perfect example as a guy goes in the third round and I'm not sure why other than he was kind of a one-year guy at Ohio State and so so there can be some um there's some movement along that spectrum even among guys at the top programs uh, which makes it interesting I mean I think you that that means you just don't watch Evan Neal you pay attention to Jalen Moody you know when you're watching Alabama guys like that that can really kind of become something, even though they may not have been, you know, all Americans. You know, I'm sure I'm biased on this. And I think the people I've talked to will say to you, or they'll say to me, yeah, Ross, but you're forgetting how many of those guys never make it. Yeah. And I understand that we all want to make informed decisions. And the better the competition level the guy played at, the better, you know, the, the more information you probably have on him. Like, I get that right. part. But the thing I've said is I feel like if you look at FCS guys especially, even D2, they're consistently drafted lower than they really should go or then yes. they end up performing. I will say this, though. It seems like the last few years it's gotten better. Like, even this yeah. year that there's a Northern Iowa offensive lineman. Like, a couple – like, five, ten years ago, Emery – no matter how good he was, he's not going higher than the third round. Like something has changed in the last couple of years because there used to be like, I don't care how good the FCS guy is. He's not going round one or round two. It feels like maybe some of these teams, Emory, that's changing a little bit. Yeah, you know what it is too? There, I think it's two big reasons. One, um, just from a, a 10,000 foot level, the games between FCS and FBS have become much more competitive. You've seen more upsets and it's really proven that the top tier FCS and group of five is really one in the same. Like if you look at the South Southland conference and the Sunbelt conference, you're essentially looking at the same teams because they're recruiting the same talent. 
And the second reason, when you look at uh, FCS prospects, a lot of these coaching staffs are in place for an entire career for these players. So they're getting the same message, the same type of coaching. They're developing at a faster rate. And guys are staying four and five years. So they're developing their bodies, developing their game. They're developing their nuance more so than, let's say, an FCS guy that gets in at a power five level, uh, raw athleticism, uh, playmaking ability. He's getting on the field faster and may not be getting the same development as an FCS guy. I think that's why you're seeing a more polished, small college prospect come out than we've seen in years previous. Yeah, and and I think – we have to remember too, uh, colleges are sort of the, um, you know, they kind of sift through a lot of these high school players, right? And then that sifting process does allow the more athletic players, maybe the more polished players at bigger high school programs to end up at the FCS or at, at the FBS level. So there is, there is sort of, there is a, a difference between the average player at the FBS level and the average player at the FCS level. So some of that still goes on. They do kind of wade through the players before the NFL even looks at them. So there's some of that, but, you know, I agree, Emery, that, that, you know, all the things you said are true. And, you know, it's interesting. A, a while back I did a study on that and I looked and, and you're exactly right, Ross. It was players in the FCS and lower divisions were picked on average, one round later than they should have been based on what they showed in the NFL. Um, And I think that gap is closing a little bit. Um, I think it's still there at some level. But like you said, if a guy has traits, um, athleticism, all that stuff, they don't care where you play. That's why, like, the Senior Bowl has become so important for these guys. And and Shrine Game and all the other All-Star games, they give these guys an opportunity to show – that their traits do translate against FBS players. And the senior bowl didn't really do that much before Phil Savage took over and now Jim Nagy took over. But now they do it. They go and get guys like that so they can show their stuff. And that's really important to their draft prospects. Like I'll give you guys a couple examples. And they're both from South Carolina State. Yeah. Javon Hargrave. What round did he yeah. go in? Third. Yeah, I mean, come yeah. on, dude. Yeah. And he even went to the Senior Bowl and did well, right? Right, right, exactly. And, but Javon yeah. Hart, like, that guy is a first-round pick all day when you look yeah. at his body and his explosion. Darius Leonard ended up going, what, round two? Round two, yep. And he, was he a Senior Bowl guy? Uh, I don't yeah, remember. He was. I, I, have, I think he was, right? I yeah, interviewed okay. him at the Senior Bowl. But that's another one. Like, that guy's yeah. a first-round pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he goes I'm, – I'm actually surprised Darius went in the second round, Hargrave went in the third round. Because 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that's not even happening. Yeah, and that's, and that's more of a position thing, I think, too. Like, if you're not um, – stack linebackers don't necessarily go in the first round as much, um, you know, as they probably once did. And that's part of it. And then Hargrave, if you don't – if you look at him and you don't think he's a pass rusher on the interior, he's not going to go as high. So despite, you know, at their position, like what teams consider, you know, premium positions, they went pretty high and you're right. They went pretty high for where they came from and the position they played. But you're, you're also right in that if like, for example, Travis Jones from UConn could end up being like a second round pick this year and Hargrave was probably a better and his film was better definitely when he was in college. So he probably deserved to go in that, in that same range. And it's funny because when you think about scouting, it's a, it's a little bit regional based too in bias. So uh FCS player coming from the South probably gets a little bit more, you know, leeway than someone coming yeah. from the North. K- 
Case in point, you're in Wisconsin. Someone will see a receiver from Wisconsin Whitewater and say, oh, he's a Division three kid. Well, he's probably an FCS kid, but there's no FCS programs in Wisconsin. Right. We right. probably have a ton of talented D3 guys there, a ton of talented D2 guys in Minnesota because there's no FCS program. So, right. so those type of stereotypes based off where guys are located also kind of filters through the scouting process. Quinn Miners should have been a second-round pick last year, but he was a third-round pick, and they drafted him as a center for some reason. I mean, I understand why they did, but, like, he's a guard, and he's a starting guard all day. He should have went in the second round, and uh, Denver got a bargain when he was still there in the third. Before we get to your um, your process, because I am curious about it, like how you guys know where to start, I want to make sure everyone is taking athletic greens like I am because it's like cold and flu season. Drink your veggies. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods. Look, if you see my social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, and you see how many IPAs I drink or what I eat when I go out, you know I need Athletic Greens in my life. It's like a multivitamin, but it's all your veggies. Costs you less than $3 a day. Every I was with people this weekend at a ski weekend in Montana. They're like, oh, yeah, we take Athletic Greens every day, both the husband and wife. I didn't even know about this until I started advertising for them. Now everybody I talk to evidently takes it to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash draft. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash draft to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So here's my question. Um, where do you start? Emory, I'll start with you. You have like a million names. Your, your scouting guide's amazing. Chad's doing seven-round mock drafts out here. I want to know where you start. Like the 2022 NFL draft, where do you like I – mean, I know you're not just scouring like NAIA rosters and be like, yeah, this guy might be good. Like you have to hear about these guys somehow. It, it, it's, it's a, a three-part process. One, you start – because my process starts in January once the all-star game circuit starts because during the season I'm doing NFL stuff and, and calling college games, right? So if I'm calling a college game, I may make a note of a guy that I watched or a guy that stood out in the game that I called and, you know, earmark, usually a small college guy. Cause again, the power five FPS guys, they'll show themselves eventually. Right. So starting in January, I just go with the all-star game rosters and not just the senior bowl, but you go all the way to the, FCS Bowl in December, College Ground Showcase, Tropical Bowl, so on and so forth. So you get all the all-star game roster because like Chad talked about uh, with the high school recruiting, it, it filters out top guys, right? So you start there and then I'll move on from that list, which is, you know, you nine all-star games in. So you move from that list to guys that have declared early. So you get those guys out the way as well. And then you work yourself 
to to guys that weren't in All Star games, but are some of the guys that are senior prospects that that probably should get a look in. You know, some of the guys that you go back and that you earmarked during that time. So that way, I get all all of my guys done in that way. I know there are going to be some uh, you know stragglers that are going to be at pro days and things of that nature. You make those a separate note and just include a separate report. Case in point, I remember being at the Jets facility um, for Rutgers Pro Day, and, you know, they had Gus Edwards working out there. And I was like, oh, this guy, Gus Edwards, you know, played at Miami, played at Rutgers. He looks good athletically. He checks all these boxes. He, he had a really good day. And then he goes on and gets picked up by the Ravens and becomes the Gus Edwards that we know. So that's someone that you see at a pro day, but you still get a report on. But the grades and things of that nature are all done based off the uh, all-star game rosters and then, you know, junior declarations and then the guys that you earmark, seniors, the FTS and all that stuff, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah, but Emory, you say that, but all season, you're always bringing up small school guys. Like the whole season when we talk about the big matchups, you always pick like one small school game and you already know a lot of these guys. My point is, my question, how do you already know about these guys the whole season? Well, I'm immersed in that in that life based off uh, the games that I broadcast. And, you know, I do uh, an FCS show on television. So, you know, I have I'm breaking down these games um, from uh, who's going to win, who's going to lose. And, you know, what's the key matchup? And then you you say, OK, wow, this guy's a, a senior. He's been highly productive. You kind of, you know, highlight him uh, in the in the report to to circle back at the end of the season. If he gets into one of these smaller all-star games, if not, you know this guy. Case in point, um, Menashe Bailey was someone that I earmarked from Morgan State when I was calling the game. So I'm like, man, this dude is explosive, top-tier athleticism, and, but he ended up getting to the Tropical Bowl. Uh, same with, uh, I forget his name, the offensive lineman from Morgan State that got drafted by the Cardinals. Um, Joshua, I forget his last name, but um, Miles. And so... That's someone I remember they played Towson. So, okay, here's someone that can play. Let me earmark him. I didn't even know he was on the radar until he popped up on the Shrine Bowl uh, <laughs> roster at the end. So I was like, wow, I, I thought that was someone that, you know, so you kind of, in terms of breaking down games, doing previews, you get to know players, you get familiar with players. And uh, mainly when I'm on my, when I'm at these uh, colleges visiting coaches and doing interviews, I'm always getting extra information like, hey, man, who's some of the guys I should watch out for for next season or at the end of the season um, that you think has an NFL shot? How about you, Chad? Well, uh, you know, as I was talking about uh, what my role is with NFL media, I should have said I'm basically the advanced scout uh, because I start on the next year's draft in April. Like before the current draft is done, I'll be working on the next draft. Uh, because I need to provide information to the other guys, to DJ, um, Lance Zerline. I mean, a lot of these other guys that I work with, I'm kind of the guy that that gets names on the radar for people because during the summer, I'm studying these guys. If you follow me on Twitter, you see that I do a Snap Scout series uh, the last couple of years where I'm looking at late and mid-round picks for the next draft in June. Uh, because I got to know these guys so I know who to write about and to provide that research to the other guys with NFL media. So I start my, it's a 12, it's a 12 year, uh, 12 month process feels like 12 years sometimes, but 12 month process where I get to know these guys. I'm looking at um, all conference um, teams. I'm looking at any website that I can find information on. 
Uh, I'm looking at when Phil, when Phil Steele's magazine comes out, you bet I'm checking that out. Um, any place that I can find information on guys at any level that makes sense in terms of their size, their, I mean, I look at the NCAA statistics for the year for division three, division two, FCS, all of that to see if there's guys that are highly productive, that have good size. And then I look at the film and I say, is the film match up with what an NFL team would expect for a guy? So I'm kind of going through that whole process during the summer and then um, researching these guys, putting together a lot of the information on these guys during the summer. Because if I waited until December or January to start this process, I would be overwhelmed. I had, I put together information on over a thousand players this year. And some of those guys were, were carried over from last year because of COVID. But you know, I, I have to have a lot of information there because now with all the all-star games that are out there, you're talking about like 600 guys that you need to know about. And that's not even including um, underclassmen. So, I mean, a lot of under, underclassmen. So um, I start, you know, it's a 12, 12 month process for me. You know what I think is interesting? Last year, everybody was like, oh, there's only even 500 guys eligible for this draft. There's usually yeah. a lot more than that. But all these guys are taking the COVID year. They're grad transferring. Wait till next year's draft. Wait till next year's draft. Well, now it's next year's draft. And now I'm reading people say, well, Aiden Hutchinson's probably the number one overall guy, but he wouldn't even been top 10 last year. So no. which which one is it? Uh, Emory, I'll start with you. Which one is it? Because everybody's like, oh, next year's draft. And now, now we're here. It's next year now. And now you're saying that the guy that might go number one wouldn't have even gone top 10 last year? Listen, what, what Chad and I tend to expose uh, amongst the draft media and like is how many people don't actually do work, you know? So if you're saying one thing, you can't then talk out the other side of your mouth saying something else. Um, I feel like a lot of people that, that are interested in the draft, they, they're interested on a Saturday-by-Saturday basis uh, because if you're saying that, then this year – you should you should have double prospects graded. You should have you know a more in depth knowledge of who's who and what's what and stacking. Um, and if you're doing it the right way, then you can go back five years and say, oh, this guy would have been probably here or this guy would have been there. If someone is a top ten player, that person is a top ten player. So yeah. if you think Hutchinson is a top five guy this year, then damn sure he's going to be a top ten guy. In any draft. So, you know, people have to really understand what they're saying, but a lot of people just are in it for the – they just – it's all about vibes. For, well, for let, me, let me ask you, Chad, is there a way to say, okay, the top is not as good in this draft, but there is more depth? There, there yeah. is like – is there a way to marry those statements that those people are saying? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's it's a little bit of both. So, um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, when I did my senior bowl rankings – uh, he was number two. Malik Willis is number one. Aiden Hutchinson was number two. That Malik was before Willis the season. number one? Yes, before the season started. Uh, no because... wonder you and Emery love each other so much. Oh, my God. Now I know. This is a Malik Willis thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to drop Malik a little bit after he threw, like, three interceptions three games in a row because you can't make those kind of decisions. Uh, it, but tools-wise – the guy's fantastic, but so so Aiden Hutchinson was already at the top of the draft, so it, that's there's no question about that. I love, um, by the way, Chad, your Senior Bowl. I I read that all the time. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, you know, it's um, 
Uh, it is both. So a lot of the guys that decided to come back for this year were not top 100 guys. They were day three guys or guys that weren't going to get drafted anyway. So they decided just to come back, right? And you had some exceptions. There were probably 10 guys that would have been day two picks that decided to come back anyway because they wanted to try to make themselves first round picks. Um, Jaquan Brisker from from Penn State's perfect example. There's some other guys that are listed there too. So um, I figure there was 250 guys on the Senior Bowl watch list last year, and I think 50 some of them returned to school. Uh, so it's a little bit of both. A lot of the top guys came out anyway, and the thing is, is that there are so many underclassmen that are taken early in the draft now uh, that it really, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but they carry the draft in a lot of ways. So, you know, even if a lot of these seniors returned, it didn't really affect the top, the top of the draft as much. Now, we're going to see that change a little bit this year because some of those guys decided to return. The seniors will be a little more, they'll populate the top 100 a little bit more than last year. Last year was sort of a down year uh, because of the COVID, but they'll, it will return back to normal a little bit this year. And you know what else tends to, to trip people up? I think people grade in terms of round. If you eliminate round grades and just grade the player, then you're you're confident in your evaluation. So, for instance, let's say um, when I had a a uh, I had the Lamar Jackson was the number one quarterback, right? And I had a you know top five grade on him or whatnot. So I, I think it was a ninety. I had a ninety grade on him. So I don't care where he goes and where he's ended up ended up being picked. I'm relying mainly on my evaluation saying that he's an all-pro talent, you know? So I think some people try to grade to say, oh, this guy will be a first-round pick. You really can't control that. Um, all, I, all I need to know is, did I nail the evaluation? And so, therefore, when I say if, if I have a top-10 grade on somebody and he goes in the fifth round and I and people say, oh, you had a top-10 grade on him, he went in the fifth round three years Prime example, I had a fourth-round rated grade on Carson Wentz people flame me for that he went top two fast forward to now looks like I was right on my evaluation so if you if you focus on the evaluation and not where someone can go because we know things influence where guys can go and people have to go where they go but you are if you're getting the the evaluation right then you can say okay yeah this guy's a top 10 talent based off you know his strengths and weaknesses uh, otherwise, you're pr- playing a guessing game that you're going to always end up losing. Chad, well, I got good. Oh, good. I got good news and bad news for you, Chad. Yeah. The bad news is, like, we're going to wrap up the show now. The good news is, well, maybe this might be bad news. You're coming on again, bro. Like, you are coming <laughs> on again. This was awesome. This is exactly what I was hoping it would be. Chad is awesome on social media. A lot of times he'll reply to my food or beer uh, tweets, which I love. He's a good evaluator of my beer and food as well. Make sure you check. This guy is the man behind the scenes. This guy is honestly, he is really the Emory Hunt of NFL media. That's how I would describe Of Actually, you know, NFL.com. Obviously, Emory does a million different things with CBS, HQ, and everything he does, which reminds me. I don't think I said it earlier. Footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. Saw a couple people tweet at us last week showing their um, their order. I love it. Keep them coming. We love seeing those. Footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. 
Follow him on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Follow Chad. He's a stud at Chad underscore Reuter, R E U T E R. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, one 800 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 